Hey friend, just a quick note for you before you get into this episode. Since I released this season last year, I have since changed around some of the domains on my site, and now the links that I mention in the original episodes no longer work. So before, if I mentioned a link like filmmakerfreedom.com slash one, that link is now filmfreedomshow.com slash one, and it's the same throughout this entire season. So, sorry for the inconvenience with that, and uh, I hope you enjoy the show. Hey friend, welcome back to the Filmmaker Freedom Podcast. Now, in the first three episodes of this season, we've laid a pretty strong foundation. We've talked about this idea of defining success for yourself and why that is so damn important. We've also sort of dispelled any myth of overnight success that you might be chasing and instead put in place this practical and fairly approachable idea that if you take small but focused actions consistently, hopefully on a daily basis, you can achieve pretty much any definition of success that you want, within reason of course. And last but not least, We've talked about infusing your work with a larger purpose, because when you have a larger purpose, it fuels you, it motivates you, it makes you more resilient in the face of all the frustration and obstacles that frankly come along with any filmmaking path you choose. So those three things are really the philosophical foundation for what we're trying to accomplish this season. Now it's time to get into the really tactical, hands-on stuff to start making you more successful in the world of film. And we're going to start with everyone's favorite topic, or maybe least favorite, I'm not sure, but we're gonna talk about money and all of the different ways that you can use your filmmaking skills to generate some income. So, in each of the next four episodes, I'm gonna be diving into one specific aspect of this, this pretty big topic of how to make a living with your films. We'll be covering things like how to win it freelancing and getting clients. We'll talk about some underutilized strategies for how to make a living from your original films and from telling the stories that you want to tell. We're going to talk about how to diversify your income and work towards financial stability in a sector that really isn't all that stable for the vast majority of people. But first up, we need to talk about the granddaddy of them all, and that's making a living in the film industry. And in order to tackle this subject properly, I invited a good friend of mine who happens to know quite a lot about how to get ahead in this notoriously difficult industry. However, before we can dive into the meat of today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about Music Vine, the cool company sponsoring this first season of the Filmmaker Freedom Podcast. So you have a lot of choices these days when it comes to finding music for your films and video projects, but Music Vine truly stands above the pack. Not only is it refreshingly straightforward to license music you'd actually want to use, but it's also genuinely affordable, even for indie filmmakers on shoestring budgets. And the best part is, the music is all thoughtful, expressive, and genuine. It's sourced from indie artists all over the globe who put the same care and attention and soul into their music as you do into your films. And that's why all of the music in this podcast comes straight from the Music Find Library. So if you like what you hear in today's show, you can learn more about Music Vine and get an exclusive 10% discount on your first song when you visit filmmakerfreedom.com. All right, so let's dive back into the episode. Well, 
one of the unfortunate things about the creative industries and especially filmmaking, there's no model. It's not like if, if somebody came to me and said, I want to be a doctor, what do I need to do? Just give them the give them the steps, the timeline. This is exactly how long it will take. This is what you have to do. This is how much money it's going to cost. And I all but guarantee you're going to be a doctor at the end of this process. In this filmmaking world, there's nothing like that. This is my friend, Zach Arnold. From about age nine, Zach knew that he wanted to edit films. It all started one weekend when his brother brought home a VHS camcorder, one of those big ones that you have to mount on a shoulder. The pair ran around for a solid 12 hours shooting Nintendo guns at each other and making a silly little movie, as kids are prone to do. And even though Zach didn't really like the production aspect of it, when his brother showed him the final cut, which he had underscored with the music from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Zach was transfixed, fascinated, and from that moment, Zach knew he wanted to edit films. So let's cut to the present day. These days, Zach is an in-demand editor in the world of scripted television, and since 2010, he's cut for shows like Burn Notice, Empire, Glee, Shooter, and he recently edited the pilot for Unsolved, which is a new scripted show about the murder investigations of Tupac and Biggie. The first season of that series was just picked up by Universal. Needless to say, Zach knows a thing or two about how to succeed in the film industry, because he's been there. 15 years ago, when he moved to Los Angeles, he had no contacts. He was sleeping on the floor in the hallway of his friend's apartment. And through years of editing trailers and independent work and taking some bold risks, he made it happen, and now he's kicking a lot of ass in the upper echelons of the TV industry. So before we get into this topic of how to succeed in the film industry, we need to ask a different question, and that's, is the film industry actually a good fit for you? Because I don't think a lot of people actually take the time to consider this. It's one of those things where the film industry just seems like the default destination for anybody interested in filmmaking. I know this because I treated it as the default for a few years, and it ended up leaving me feeling demoralized and burned out and a little bit depressed. So if you can put in a little bit of time to reflect on this beforehand, you could potentially end up saving yourself a good deal of trouble down the road. So that's one of the things that I asked Zach. Who specifically is cut out for work in the film industry? I think the most important thing, and I know this may sound like a canned answer that I'm speaking from the stars, but you have to love what you're doing. You have to love the craft because the reality is working in the business is grueling and it is soul crushing and it will do everything it possibly can to try and destroy your spirit. And I know that that sounds pessimistic, but it really isn't. That's the reality of the business, but you can still be successful and still love going to work every day, but you have to love the actual craft. So for me, I still to this day love being in front of my computer, being in front of my timeline and Avid and building stuff. All the way back to when I was nine years old, when it was one VHS player to another and then adding a soundtrack from a movie, whatever that feeling is, that rush of adrenaline that you get when those things come together for the first time and you say, wow, that's amazing. I still get that when I'm inside a timeline cutting a scene in Avid. That's why I do what I do. 
if you have that and when you go to sleep at night, that's what you think about. And when you wake up in the morning, that's all that you want to do during the day. It doesn't matter what the industry throws at you. Eventually, you're going to make it if you follow some of the fundamental steps that I mentioned earlier. On the flip side, if you're saying, man, I would love to be working in Hollywood because I can tell my friends that I work in Hollywood and I can work on TV shows that everybody watches and I can say, yeah, 20 million people watch my show and I get to go to award shows and maybe I'll win an Emmy someday or win an Oscar. Like, I love the glitz and the glamour and the image of being in Hollywood. You're gonna be destroyed because that's maybe 2% of what your life will look like. And the other 98% is going to be the grind waking up every single day to work another 12 hours to make stuff with very little recognition. So if you're getting into it because it's the only thing that you know how to do, that you wanna do and it's part of your identity, doesn't matter what the industry throws at you, you're going to survive it. If it's all about the image, the prestige, the recognition and the money, most likely you're not going to succeed because you can't handle the day-to-day -day of climbing that ladder. I also asked Zach if you thought there were any common misconceptions that people had about working at this level of the industry. Here's what he told me. I, one of the misconceptions is that once you get up to, I guess what I would call the A-list level of whatever you're trying to do. So like, I'm not saying I'm an A-list, number one, best editor in the world kind of thing at all. But in the world of television, I've done shows that people have heard of and have seen by, you know, 25, 30 million people. So at that level, the expectation is once I get there, it's finally going to be easier. Everybody's going to know what they're doing. It's going to be organized. I'm going to get paid what I'm worth. All the stuff that I go through in the world of indie film is magically going to go away. And then you get into this world and you're like, oh, so this is still also really, really disorganized and we're still cutting quarters and the deadlines still don't make any sense and I'm getting paid a little bit more and people are going to see my work, but it's really not that different. And that, I've heard that misconception a lot where, for example, like my newest assistant editor, this is his break into television. And he said the same thing. He's like, wow, this really isn't that much different than the low budget stuff I've been doing. There's just a lot more money and a lot more power. I'm like, yup. You're, you'd never get to the point where it just all clicks and magically works and you don't have to cut corners or solve problems. You always have to do that. So assuming you are good with all that and you think that you would actually be a good fit in the industry, the question now becomes, well, how do I break in? And that is a question that Zach is uniquely qualified to answer, because not only has he been there and done that, but he's also helped many aspiring filmmakers learn the ropes and break into the industry, whether it's in editing or some other part of the craft. So before we can get into Zach's advice for how to succeed in the industry, we need to cover a few basics first. So for starters, we need to mention that film production, at least at the higher levels, is most often concentrated in a few specific cities. And as of this recording, at least in the US, most of this production takes place in Los Angeles, New York City, and Atlanta, though there are still some other smaller production hubs around the country. But it, it tends to change based on where the tax incentives are highest at any given point in time. And if you happen to be in Canada, Toronto and Vancouver are going to be your best bets. And if you're elsewhere in the world, all I can say is that you should do your research into which cities have a healthy and thriving industry. I can't really say. Either way, if you want to take a swing at working in the industry and getting consistent industry jobs, you don't really have much choice but to move to one of these cities. 
And the big caveat I'd add here is that Los Angeles, New York City, Vancouver, Toronto are fairly expensive places to live. And if your financial situation isn't really in order before moving, you could end up finding yourself working full-time as a barista or an Uber driver just to make ends meet. So if you're moving from somewhere else, I'd almost always recommend having 6 to 12 months worth of living expenses saved up. That's the best way to ensure that you can spend as much time as possible honing your craft, building your network, and finding those first gigs. So before we get into Zach's techniques, there are two other things I have to mention. The first one is that once you get to a certain level in the film industry, specialization is the name of the game. Production at higher levels is incredibly segmented, and it actually works against you if you try to advertise yourself as a jack-of-all-trades. So it's really in your best interest to know which department you'd like to move up in, and then start at the bottom. So for example, if you want to be a DP, you might start in either the camera department or in grip and electric. The other big thing to mention here is that once you're established in a particular department, you absolutely have to work hard and smart and be 100% reliable in order to move your way up the ladder. Even more than other industries, the film industry is one where people live and die by their reputations because so much of your work, at least if you're doing it right, will come to you through referrals from the people in your network. So if you do nothing else, do everything in your power to cultivate a strong and reliable reputation, and you'll be well on your way to more industry gigs. So that's all I've got for you for the time being. Now let's hear from Zach as he walks us through his three-step strategy for how to break into the industry and then move yourself up the ladder. And I've always said that there are three fundamental steps that anybody can take. And if you do these three steps properly, you're most likely going to be successful. It's not a hundred percent guarantee, but it is highly, highly probable that you will. And the three steps that I believe are number one, you have to be amazingly good at your craft. Number two, people have to know that you're amazingly good at your craft. And number three, you have to be consistent. And if you follow those three steps, you're going to be able to break in. So if I were somebody that were just starting out, whether I'm fresh out of college or whether I've been an accountant for 20 years and I've decided, hey, I wanna be an editor or a filmmaker for a living, where do I start? Those three fundamental steps will apply to anybody. So let's just take editing, for example, since that's an area that obviously I know more about than being a DP or anything else. So, but like I said, this will apply to more than just editing. So number one, be great at your craft. So if you wanted to be an editor, you need to edit. And the great thing is that nowadays there's no excuse to not get practice. When I was in high school and college, that meant taking VHS tapes of movies and cutting together my own versions of them using two VHS players. That was it. Nowadays, you can make anything that you want for free with YouTube and iPhones and all kinds of free versions of editing software. Like just become good at the craft, learn about it, read about it, watch films where you're inspired by the style and just get good at it. That could also mean taking on free work. And this is a very controversial topic where some people will say you should never ever take free work. And I disagree with that to the extent that if you're getting something out of it that allows you to move further along your path, money doesn't have to be what you're given in return. If somebody's just exploiting you and they're not paying you because they wanna take advantage of you, free work is a horrible idea. But if it means that you're building a solid relationship or you're learning something new that you wouldn't have access to learn otherwise, or you're gonna build a network of contacts, it's totally worth it. Just make sure it's with the right people and you're getting the right thing out of it. 
But then the next layer of that is you can be amazing at your craft, but if you're anything like me, I chose editing because I'm a little bit of an introvert, and that's an understatement, and I'm not great in social situations, although I've learned to train myself to be able to manage social situations. If you're amazing at what you do and nobody knows that you exist, you're not going anywhere. So you have to learn how to put yourself out there and develop relationships with people that are further along than you. So rather than trying to reinvent the wheel, if there's somebody that you say, wow, I, I'm just so inspired by this one editor hearing their story, I want to dig deeper and understand how they got where they are, don't try and figure it out yourself. Ask them, talk to them, develop a relationship with them because there's, there's no point in starting over if somebody's already done what you want to do. So learn from the people that have succeeded. But then the third layer is that you have to be consistent. When I say consistent, I mean every single day you have to get up in the morning, work on your craft. If you already have a job, maybe as an assistant or as a PA, show up every single day on time or early, do your job to the best of your ability first, and then inquire with people about how do I do what you're doing? So a perfect example would be if you're an assistant editor and you want to be an editor, don't just come in and say, well, I don't really want to assist. I want to edit. So teach me how to edit. Give me scenes. I want to learn. If you're not doing your job really well first, nobody's going to give you a shot. But if you consistently show up every day and you're the best assistant editor ever, and then you say, I have no interest in being an assistant and I want to cut, then people are going to pay attention. So you have to consistently show up every single day. And over time, my feeling is if you can break it down to those three steps and you throw in a lot of patience and discipline, there's no question you're going to make it. I just can't say how long it's going to take. Now, if you're interested in diving a little bit more into those three steps, so you've got one, get really good at the craft of filmmaking, two, build your network and make sure that the people in your network know that you're great at your craft, and three, be consistent with all of this because it really does take a while to get your big break. We're going to be covering all of those things in future episodes this season because, quite frankly, they're essential things to internalize and start practicing no matter what your definition of filmmaking success is. But if you want to learn more from Zach, especially in terms of how he thinks about networking and building relationships with people, and not just any people, but people who are higher up on the ladder than you are, then go to filmmakerfreedom.com slash four, and that's the number four, not spelled out, because down towards the bottom of that page, I've got another segment from the long interview I conducted with Zach, and we get into some really good stuff about networking that you won't really hear anywhere else. I'll also be sharing a lot of my favorite resources and articles and books and links for anybody looking to break into the film industry. So seriously, check out those show notes in the blog post and just go to filmmakerfreedom.com slash four. Anyhow, it's about time to wrap up today's episode. I really hope that if you're aspiring to break into the film industry one day, that you found it useful and that you took some stuff away that will help you take the next steps forward. So to close out today's episode, I really want to get you pumped up. So I dug into Music Vine's library and I found something that I think will do the trick. Are you ready for it? Here it comes. Oh yeah, that's good and funky.
So in my recent interview with the co-founders of MusicVine, I asked them about their general approach to designing the site and coding it and making it easy to use. And here's what Lewis Foster, one of the co-founders, told me. So I think fundamentally, filmmaking and music composition are both art forms, and to do those things well takes a lot of craftsmanship. So to be a, to be a really great mediator between musicians and filmmakers, we've always believed that there has to be a deep care for music and film, but also for the crafts involved in our own domain. Um, for example, what makes great enjoyable design or what algorithms will put the most relevant tracks in front of people. And we believe that to kind of pay respect to the art form of filmmaking and, and musicianship, we need to understand what we do really well and to um, pay a lot of attention to detail to it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Filmmaker Freedom Podcast. If you're enjoying the show or if you're getting any really good value out of these episodes, it would mean the world to me if you could go onto iTunes and leave a rating and a review. That's really the best way for small little indie shows like this one to get noticed and get seen by more filmmakers. Anyhow, I'll see you in the next episode where we have another special guest who's going to take us through the world of how to win at freelancing and client work. I'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.